This podcast is produced by Unedited. I'm singer-songwriter Louise Golby. This podcast is about the art of songwriting. I wanted to find out what we don't know about certain songs, how lyrics came about, how melodies were triggered, and the songwriting process for songs that we all know and love. I'm talking to songwriters that I look up to. Some of my guests are well-known names, such as Omar and Michelle Escoffrey. But I also want to introduce you to songwriters who are not yet household names, despite being behind some really big songs. My guest for this episode is South London-based writer and recording artist, whose biggest song has had nearly 93 million streams on Spotify. She works across pop, country and dance with new artists and producers. And not everyone gets to write with Cher, but my guest co-wrote dance anthem Take It Like A Man. She's also worked with X-Factor boy band Union J, Ruda Silva and Sugar Jesus. And she creates tracks for TV and film. Our guest is Mary Lay, who writes and performs for her own solo project too, called Mary the Lost. And as always, I start our chat with this question. If I was to introduce you with just one song, what would it be? song I would choose would be Piece of Me that I co-wrote with Becky Hill and Tim Powell. Obviously it's, um, it's, it's a production now by um, MK and obviously featuring Becky Hill, but she, you know, she co-wrote the song. So yeah, that song is, is I suppose the thing that has, well, it got me my publishing deal with, with Reservoir, um, Big Life. And um, I guess represents, you know, where I'm at at the moment in my career and, um, and the sorts of artists I want to be writing for, really, um, and the song as well. Just the, just as a as a full body of work, it's kind of, I guess, the thing I'm most proud of to date. Absolutely. And so, do you remember how the how well, firstly, how the collaboration came about, and then I want to talk a bit more about the song and the inspiration behind it. Strangely, um, I used to be managed by um, Crown um, Management for a short time, and worked with Mark Moreau and. Um, and uh, Becky Hill's manager, Alex. And we just, um, strangely, just sort of as time passed, I was working with Tim Powell because we'd just done X Factor together and he was um, producing all the groups on X Factor. It was the year Union J were in it, but I can't remember the year. Um, and she, uh, Becky was, um, you know, was being managed by Alex. And um, we... Yeah, we just, he, he played me some, st- I think I went to see him one day um, and he played me some stuff and I was just like, who is this girl? This voice is insane. Um, and he told me about her and yeah, he, he, I think she'd gone into the studio before with, with Tim. Tim's a, a bit of a genius. He has written for Girls Aloud, Sugar Babes, Xenomania for many years. So me and him were already working together. We'd done the share track and then, yeah, so we just kind of, we all got into the studio together and we sort of sat down and Piece of Me came out. So it wasn't until some years later, about two years, I think, that actually anything happened with the song. You, Tim and Becky wrote the song together. Yeah. Was it always going to be a dance track? Like, And when did MK get involved? And You know, the weird thing is about songwriting is 
I don't know about anyone else, but I often really genuinely forget how I started to create something. Um, it's I so do, yeah. weird how that happens. It's just like, do you know, you just, you think, well, I can't remember. I know it sounds ridiculous, but I genuinely, I think that we did pick up a guitar. Um, maybe it wasn't for that actual track, but we were, you know, we were just sort of knocking ideas around. Um, and I think, yeah, I remember sort of sitting on the sofa with her and we were just talking a lot about just experiences and her situation and, you know, relationships and all that sort of stuff. But that's the key thing, really. It's kind of like, you know, if I had any inspiration from my side of what's ha- of what had happened to me, you know, I wasn't thinking about it from my perspective. But weirdly now standing back and looking at the lyrics and and hearing the song and everything, it does feel like, you know, it's, it's, it was about my life too, but I didn't know it at the time because obviously yeah. we were talking about her. Um, and that's, I guess that's the main thing about being a songwriter and working with artists is like facilitating their ideas and making sure it's, it's got to be their words and their feelings, you know, it can't be about you, but then weirdly as time passes, maybe it can as well. Yeah. And also if you've gone so. through something that is relatable, then absolutely. Yeah, definitely. It's- yeah. I remember the lyrics were quite a big thing f- for us and we just kind of talked and I just really liked her and I really rated her as a, you know, I just think she had, she had she's just got raw talent really yeah and she's gone on to do amazing stuff so yeah it was it was really exciting and we definitely I mean I don't know about anyone else and and it might sound a bit of an obvious thing to say but I think truthfully like I did really feel there was something special about that song but then too I think it was about 18 months later MK obviously had got together with Becky and they'd put together this version and then when I heard it, it was like well I get it completely like it's made it it's elevated it to where it should be but the beauty is nothing was changed like the bare bones of it was still the same and it's not like they kind of ripped it apart and tried to rehash it it was like yeah it was the same and um he'd just taken it to the dance world so yeah respect respect and obviously he's a massive dj in these in that on that detroit scene like of course yeah exactly and it was super exciting because i love dance music you know i absolutely love dance music and i was like when i heard i just was like yeah it's just i just loved it instantly it wasn't like oh you know what have they done and and it was like no this is like a no-brainer um Mm. it was it was all really quick as well because they were like oh we're going to release this and then literally it was like the next month that um, Annie Mac made it hottest record of the world, whatever her thing is. Excellent. And we, were, we were like, what? And then it just all kind of, yeah. And it's 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 last, you know, the, the thing about that kind of track is it's it's got, I think it has got longevity because it's still played now and it's just like every summer, obviously, Ibiza, apart from this one. <laughs> but every summer it's kind of like come, you know, it's like resurfaced and it's, yeah, I just think it's going to be hopefully around for definitely and like you were saying before about obviously before mk produced it yeah um the beauty of a i always think the the sign of a good song is if it sounds good just on a guitar even a house track or a dance track you know it's got longevity because it's it's a song before it's a produced thing it really is and she she's done a few um, acoustic versions of songs i'd love her to do one this because it is because it's such a crazy fast song like to slow it right down um, or even on p- like a piano, like slowed down piano version would be amazing um, because it's just the lyrics. Uh, I think that's the thing about dance songs. Like, you know, some dance songs are really um, a bit throwaway and it's just like, oh, we just want to, you know, producers will say, we just want a, a hook. We just want a hook. It's kind of like, 
But I think the best dance songs are the ones that have got like a verse and a chorus and have that story and that actually, you know, tell, paint a picture. And, and that this one definitely does. Um, so, yeah, that's that's why we were pleased, so pleased with it. Yeah. Well, congratulations on all the success on it. And it did really well in the UK dance charts. And obviously, like we said, it's a massive club hit. And it had 95 million streams on Spotify. I know, that's the nuts bit, isn't it? Spotify just blows me away, to be honest. I just think, what? I think I looked it up and it would play more than an Oasis song. (laughs) I was just like, ooh. Amazing. It's good. It's not to be sniffed at. (laughs) Before we talk about your other big songs, I want to go back to the beginning about your journey as a songwriter. So do you remember how you got into songwriting, what the first song you wrote was, when you knew you could do it, when someone... You know, you played a song for the first time to someone. Oh, it was probably about boy. Definitely about boy. It's probably probably about the bass player in the band. I've always gone for bass players <laughs> back in the day. Um, yeah, no, I I think I started out really as just thinking I was a singer. So I was in bands when I was like 15, 16, and I was in like indie bands and lead singer and you know, surrounded by guitarists and and I I always thought I, you know, I thought I'm, I'm the front woman, but I didn't necessarily think that that meant I was, you know, the creator, but just sort of singing the guy's songs. And, um, and then I think pretty much one day I just thought, well, I'm going to, I'm going to try and write some lyrics because I'd always written like poetry and stuff and loved that. So I just think I was probably about 15, 16, started writing lyrics and then kind of decided, well, I need to teach myself the guitar which I not, you know, I never, I was never very good at instruments, mainly because I couldn't read music. I did like, did music and stuff, but I was just a bit rubbish. And then I just, I got, I got into, I kind of left the band days and then um, just, just started writing for me really and just continued to play like live. And um, then I kind of, I wrote, I think the first thing I ever wrote, I just honestly, can I remember what that was? Uh, do you know what? Yeah, there was actually a song in, I think, the band that I was in called Who Will Miss Mary. <laughs> that was my long-term, like, youth band. And um, I think I wrote a song called Chemical Smile. I think that was it. But anyway, um, so that was just kind of all kind of just sort of evolved, really. And then I, I kind of tried to do the artist thing, like, on my own and got involved with um, an amazing guy called Michael McAvoy, who was kind of from um, the States and he had lived in Nashville and that was my going to be my world. I was going to move to Nashville and I was going to be, a, you know, a big country songwriter. Because that's the thing, I love, I love country music and, um, you know, I still, I guess, I approach all songs in a slightly country kind of way, really. Um, lyrically, I guess. So I just kind of thought that was going to be the plan. And I just really wanted to get, you know, I was obsessed with getting the, the record deal. And, um, but then I don't know, we, we, we did really well and we kind of got to a certain place with it all. And, um, and it kind of, yeah, I don't know, it just, it just wasn't, it wasn't meant to be. And maybe there is sort of, sometimes I think, oh, I look back and I think, oh, it should have happened. And why didn't it happen? Da, da, da. But yeah, you just can't regret, um, really. But it was just, it was a really important, it was a really important chapter and and a lot of, we did a lot of amazing things. Um, but then really, I think um, it was about half, I'm just trying to think what the, 
what kind of made me switch. Um, yeah, I think I just got to a point where I was kind of like, in truth, I just realised that I enjoyed the creative side more than kind of going out, trying to gig, you know, and I, I just sort of thought actually the bits that I love the most it being in the studio and, and writing and I don't know, even now it's like, that's the thing that excites me the most. Um, but I do still perform, but I still find it terrifying. <laughs> I don't love it, you know? Um, and I just, yeah, I, I don't. Whereas actually hearing someone else sing the song is probably just honestly a little bit more exciting to me. Um, yeah, which, yeah, I actually haven't said that out loud, I don't think, but that's true. I think actually hearing someone else sing something I'd written would excite me more than hearing me sing and me having to sit there and just cringe, <laughs> which I still do. But you've obviously, you featured on a lot of the co-writes because... Yeah. But the songs that you featured on, like the Rudy Silver one and yeah. um, Sugar Jesus. No, I never, I've never performed those live. Um, and... I sort of think actually it'd be quite nice to to do acoustic versions of them actually. It'd be quite cool. The live stuff is just literally me, either me or, or um, Mary the Lost, which is like my kind of, you know, fun personal project. And is that you um, as solo? So it's me and um, bass player Matt. He's called Matthew Day. Um, and he is, we've, we used to do, um, we used to do what we call the toilet circuit together in London years ago it used to be <laughs> an amazing band called Emil and I was in Who Will Miss Mary and we used to gig all around London and I just was obsessed with Emil thought they were amazing and then we never really spoke which is so weird I just used to always see each other and be like all right you know and then all these years later I put a thing out on Twitter like a couple of years ago just saying oh looking to kind of collaborate with someone start something and he just got in touch and he's just so good. He's just such, we're, we're completely on the same page. We love the same music. And he like produced all the EP. He's not even a producer. He just sat down and just nailed it. He's just, yeah, he's ridiculously talented. So excellent. Um, love working with him. So would you say your, your songwriting technique has then changed, like how you start a song and? Yeah, because I was so nervous then. I was so insecure. I was like, just thought everything I did was rubbish and maybe it's just that sometimes there's a bit of that attached to it as well whereas you know you grow in confidence and the way I sit down and right now it's like and I'm older now and I just kind of think I care less what others would say or think and uh but no I mean my my I think yeah my writing the, the style or how or how I approach it is is not changed massively um I still always kind of sit down with the guitar and um Sometimes I would, sometimes I have a, sort of some lyrics that I'll just have been messing around with and, you know, I'll have melody ideas and then I sort of put that to guitar or the other way round. Obviously when I'm top lining, I'll just have a track to, to work with, which can be fun because there's a lot of sort of, you know, freedom. You're not getting caught up in the chords. It's like, well, this is what it is and, you know, but I'm just trying to think way back. Yeah, I just think I was a lot more nervous and I'd like literally just write something. I'd just be like, oh, it's rubbish, it's rubbish. <laughs> you know, whereas now I'm like, I don't know, I trust my instincts. Like I think, it's like with peace of me, it's like, 
I just knew that song was good. It was just like, I don't care if people don't like it or the record company says no, or it's like, I trust that it's a good song. And I think I felt the same about the share track as well. You know, it's kind of like random as that was even back then, but way back when I was writing my stuff, I just was, you know, just quite nervous. And, and I think that's probably the biggest change really, just confidence and being a bit more trusting. I was going to say, obviously, when it's your own project, you're putting, there's more personal attachment, isn't there? Yeah. And there is a bit of conflict. I realised this yesterday because I was like writing something and I was like, you know, when you're writing stuff that you know, you're trying to get on radio and, you know, for, for in within pop as well. It's like, it's always like, I always have this thing, like never let the truth get in the way of a good song. The guy called Ralph Murphy in the States, in Nashville, I did a masterclass with him. He's like amazing guy and... He said that and never let the truth get in the way of a good song. And I always really remember that. And I think really it's just like, it's so easy to get so kind of deep in your own, like, you know, when you're writing a song like this has happened, it's so terrible. Wah, wah, wah. And you're so kind of in it. And then you're like, someone's got to listen to this. Are they going to connect with this or are they just going to think, you know, um, when you go to Nashville and you you sit and you do like the songs in a round and you kind of go to the songwriter nights there, um, they're so like, I mean, they're just completely, it's the whole, you know, it doesn't matter if you literally like played one chord on the guitar really badly. Like they don't really care about that. They just want to hear the lyrics and they want to hear the melody. And it just it really taught me that that's from, yeah, that's pretty much the most important thing. Um, the lyric actually. So I think that's the thing. I just, I just think a lot of people, it's the last thing that they think of, you know, even now, like everyone sits around in the sessions and they're like, yeah, I've got this amazing track and da, da, da. And it's like amazing melody. And they're like, right, has anyone got any lyrics? Uh, and no one wants to really commit. <laughs> All right. We'll just, yeah, we'll just think something. And you're like, actually now I go into a session. It's like, that's the first thing. Like, even if I'm literally kind of just going with the concept even if we don't use any of them in the end, it's like, there has to, I just need to have a bunch of words that are going to be really good. <laughs> um, so when you're co-writing for, so with other writers, but for specific artists, are you yeah. always in the room with the artist or do you often get, have to do a demo where you're singing on it and you send it to the label? How does it work? The good thing about having um, Reservoir really behind me is that they, that's kind of, uh, you know, that's what an independent publisher has done for me is is created opportunity because you assume that you would kind of have a a, a song out like a piece of me or whatever and then you just think oh like it's going to open so many doors but it's like with everything it's like you, you you just have to keep literally knocking on doors and it's really really hard and I I just got to the point where I was like I need people like rooting for me and shouting out about my talent and getting through to the right people and like you know it's really you it's really hard getting in with artists that are really, you know, really super established because why would they just suddenly welcome in a brand new writer? You know, I am still new. Like I'm, you know, I've got a long way to go. Like I, yeah, I'm still learning my craft too. So, but they, yeah, it's a kind of a mix. It's a 50-50. So sometimes I'll just be in with a producer and we'll, we'll write a song, probably not with me f intending to feature on it. But then a lot of the time now I'm going in with new up and coming amazing artists who I just love working with. Yeah, I've been working with a guy called Adam Rom, who's super talented and Ruti as well, who won The Voice 2018, the winner of The Voice. She's amazing. So we've been writing together. 
So there's quite a few things bubbling away with, yeah, with just hopefully the next, you know, the new talent really. But when you are yeah. put in a room with a co-writer that say you haven't even worked with before or even people that you have, do you ever yeah. just not gel as in just, or just not in the, you know, you can be put in a room and not write a song because being you creative know, I, isn't... I haven't actually had that yet. And I know that sounds really awful. Uh, not awful, but that like, sounds good. You know, <laughs> unbelievable maybe. But I genuinely haven't had that because, I mean, I might have been in a room where I've thought, I just can't really see us, you know, we're not going to produce anything decent. But then we usually sort of do. It's more, do you know where it happens more? It's less with the artist. So like the artist is always, you know, they're at the start of their career and they've just got so much like passion and talent and that's just kind of refreshing and interesting and challenges me and you know I think that's just the best but sometimes it might happen if I'm in with a producer where they'll just literally have a bunch of chords they don't do anything else other than you know just literally sit behind the laptop and they're just kind of like right I want this and I know it's a job and everything but that's just not how I work like I need to connect with them a bit and you know, you've got to give it your best and you've got to be really open and you've got to think just because someone's maybe acting a bit cold or weird, it's like, you've got to think, and this is probably an age thing as well, because I reckon if I was like 21, I would have been, you know, probably had more of an attitude. And But actually, as you get older, you sort of think people are, people are feeling anxiety as well and might be really nervous or feeling like they're not, you know, every, and no, this, this happens a lot, like you'll go in and, you're all a bit kind of like, you can just feel the tension in the room initially and everyone's a bit kind of like, and then by the end, you realise everyone's just feeling nervous and maybe thinking, I'm not, you know, I can't do this. And and it's just that, and particularly with um, creative people, because I mean, let's be honest, we're all flipping riddled with (laughs) anxieties and worries and, you know, self-doubt. And so actually when you're kind of open about that and you just get past that, then it brings everyone closer together and, so usually at the end, I'm like, yeah, we've had a good, good session. Did you actually meet MK, by the way, when you... No, I've never met MK. I'd like to, if he's up for it. <laughs> I'd love to. In fact, I did pitch something to him. And um, yeah, I mean, you know, we we will continue to. He's, I think he's amazing. I've always got ideas for for that kind of, you know, that kind of scene. So, And I've not met Cher, by the way. Ah, that is one of my questions. Uh, that would have been amazing, but it's really, that was from afar, that whole session. Yeah, because me and Tim Powell, who I worked with on the Becky track, we, very long story, cut very short, but basically when I was 16, I think I, I actually demoed for Believe, her big song. And they were looking for like, you know, Brian Higgins was the team that were writing the track, him and Xenomania, I think it was Xenomania. I don't know if they would call that then. But he was looking for obviously, you know, singers to come and demo the the song. And I don't think it had been pitched to her then. I think it might have been going to like Kylie or something. So I just sang it. I don't know if they even used my version. Boy, if you want my heart, you gotta take it like a man. Before you fight for us, you gotta show So if my love is a game, then you should love 
So no, sadly we didn't meet, um, but I it came about because I was working with Tim Powell um, and Tim Powell was an old school friend and we kind of, we were friends. He was in my brother's class <laughs> and I just always remember Tim as being this like, just this super talented like music DJ boy in our town. And um, I used to go around to his and like, do some singing for him and he like written songs for Danny Minogue and he was just amazing. And I was just like, wow. But then we kind of just lost touch and I went off and did the kind of artist folk thing. And he was like, he was like Xenomania's child prodigy. He was like, you know, doing all these amazing songs. And then years passed and then we kind of um, met at a friend's wedding and he was like, oh yeah, you're that folk singer. <laughs> and I was like, well, you know, and he's like, yeah. And, um, he's like, do you want to, we should get together and do some, some writing. And then literally we did and we, you know, look what came from it. We wrote a song for Cher. Um, we did X Fact together. We wrote Piece of Me. So it was amazing. Um, we've now, we've now both, he's, he's got two, two little babies and life's kind of got in the way. Um, but we, we were due to work together actually not long ago and he couldn't get up to the session because of the trains, Brighton trains. That line is so annoying. <laughs> Um, so yeah, but Tim, we will we will definitely be working together again soon. Excellent. I mean, to, to say you've worked with Cher, who is an absolute legend, and the fact because when I was doing my research, I was like, it was her twenty fifth studio album. That's oh, how long she's, she's been doing. She's this. incredible. And um, yeah, I mean, no. And the funny thing is, she when when the lyrics came back, she um she'd actually changed like this line or or this word and. But, but truthfully, right, she, because sometimes obviously artists do that and then they kind of take a cut and you're like, hmm, I don't know how fair that was. But you know what? She changed these couple of lines or whatever. And I was like, it's way better. Respect. Like, love that. Um, yeah. I've only got respect for her. I, I mean, like, I literally listened to her, like growing up, my sister had all her, um, all her songs and I just was, just thought she was an absolutely amazing um, and believe was amazing, and just to be have that small part of that all that time ago, because that sort of got me into the world of, you know, going into a studio and singing pop songs. And actually, if it hadn't, if I hadn't done that, I might have just done the kind of, you know, might have just been doing kind of the artist folk thing, and kind of it was just I don't know, just all kind of came back to that, you know, getting back together with Tim and working with him again and everything. Um, well, it was all meant to be, wasn't it? I believe in that. He obviously, and no pun intended, believed in your talent, and then, <laughs> and yeah, then I mean, he kept you on board and kept wanting to work with you. So it's, yeah, he's he's cool, and he's he's like you know, he knew I had something different. You know, he's super pop, and like that's what he's known, and that's what he he taught me really. You know how to write a, a pop song and and like I was saying before, like losing all that kind of self-indulgent, like blah, 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 just get to the point and get it heard. And But obviously I came to him with a much more kind of full songwriting craft kind of, you know, um, and and the storytelling in the, and that's what I kind of learned from, from working, as I said before, with um, Michael McAvoy, who's a very talented guy. Um, and he, he kind of, 
yeah, he is. So there's a sort of two sides to me, really. I think that that I was able to bring um, to the to even now to the pop sort of writing side, um, which is I'm glad I have that definitely, definitely. So you've also written for TV and film. So that's obviously a different ball game when it comes to writing. And I wanted to know, firstly, whether you were writing to briefs or whether it was tracks you'd already written that then got picked up. So if you can tell us a bit more about that and your... Yeah, so there's a bit of both, really, because I did write... Um, I sort of got... When I was working with uh, Mark Moreau, um, he was quite heavily in the sort of... Mark Moreau, sorry, I should say, he's um, he was... Um, he used to be the um, CEO of of Island Records. He ran Island Records for many years. And Mike McAvoy, uh, Michael McAvoy, he was connected to to Mark, and he sort of made the introduction. So, so all through the sort of initial artist years, Mark was kind of a Mark and Mike um, were kind of you know mentoring me and um, managing me, and and yeah, I sort of that that whole kind of world I guess brought about the 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 thing at the film sync sort of world um and I think there was a bit of a mix I mean I was I was we were pitching songs that I had written um and we were also um getting briefs to come come through you know often like movies they can't afford to pay the real artists so they kind of want something that sounds like so I was doing a bit of that you know can you make it sound a bit like this or we were pitching like end of credits songs um and then also Mike Michael was like a um, film scoring a lot of movies like he worked with Paul Oakenfold on loads of things and so I kind of got involved through him um again so I was like writing little kind of syncs for movies and there's quite a, a few films that that kind of never got really you know, never made, they're not big blockbuster films, but they all did quite well and um, kind of more like cult films, really, I suppose you could say, or maybe they'll end up being. Um, but yeah, we did, we did, there was one that that springs to mind that I did quite a lot of um, the vocaling for. I didn't, did I write stuff on it? No, I don't think I did in the end. Um, but I featured on a film called um, Heartless, which was... Um, which won loads of awards. Like it was like a horror, it's like a horror thriller and it had like a really interesting cast and it starred um, a guy called Jim Sturgis and he actually ended up, um, ended up singing on a lot of the score as well. So yeah, I've, I've kind of um, done a lot of kind of feature stuff, which I did recently as well for the Gore Vavinsky film, um, A Cure for Wellness. So just like featuring throughout the score really and having to be this sort of like weird child voice, which was kind of weird, um, but amazing. Worked with an amazing composer called Benjamin Wolfish. Um, but I guess the dream really would be to actually, to to write, you know, to be involved in the writing of the score, a bit like a sort of um, Amy Mann did for Magnolia. So that would be my kind of absolute, like if I did that, I'd be like, done tick, happy. I think I'll probably, you know, be more thrilled doing something like that than write, you know, than writing an artist song. Because I just think it's, yeah, the just film and music and film is just a, a, a big passion of mine. Um, you know, the soundtracks for film, I just love. So, so yeah, so we did, it was a bit of a real mix. It was kind of like feature on this, get your, you know, a song, I had a song in a movie called, uh, flipping heck 
starring David Tennant. And it was called The Decoy Bride, The Decoy Bride. Um, and it was a song I'd written and it was called Take Me As I Could Be. And that was like a really good sync at the time. I did a thing for Sky um, one Christmas where I did a, like a bit of a John Lewis style cover of 500 Miles for a film that they were showing. I've done a, I've written songs for a film called Forget Me Not, which was the winner of the Independent Film Festival. And um, that was all to brief. So yeah, so it's a real, real mix and a world that I still kind of really, really love, you know, being part of. And did you do something for Waterloo Road? I read. Oh yeah, I had a, a sync on Waterloo Road as well. That was another song that I'd written that was already written. And it also breathes new life into a song that already existed. And It does. It really does. And you know, um, yeah, you just kind of, you, you, you kind of, I don't know, it makes you, makes you sort of think, oh, you know, you, you write the song in one way and then it's placed in a, you know, in a sync capacity and then you're kind of like, oh, it kind of means this. And then it means something else to somebody else. And, you know, that's the beauty of it really. But yeah, just to, to score a, a whole soundtrack would be insane. One of my songs was used for like an independent film once and then, I'm just trying to think of my examples. And then last year I got asked to write and sing a theme tune for a comedy series on Amazon Prime. For comedy? Yeah. So I wrote it with the guy who was doing the soundtrack for the whole series. And firstly, he used some of my songs for like background scenes in the cafe, which was really nice. You can't really hear them. But then I wrote the theme tune with him and sung on it. And obviously, because it was a comedy thing, it was a completely different style of writing. I had to kind of make it really quirky and... But it's just amazing. It's, it's nice actually having that challenge, isn't it? Of writing for something different than that's not to be played it, on the radio. Yeah, it's, it is. But... It tests you in, in other ways. And also I've had quite a few things that I've pitched for that haven't been used. I remember I pitched a song called Albatross to a film that was called Albatross. And it was meant to be like the title, or I think it was the end credits. And they didn't use it and I was gutted. And then they used, you know, assigned kind of well-established artists. And I was kind of gutted. But the thing is, it, that song sort of became something else in a weird way because it wasn't used to sort of like have this, you know, special like love for it and feel like it, you know, I feel like it's, it still could be another sync out there for it. And so it was written, so you wrote that specifically for that? Yeah, I pitched it specifically for for that. Even though it was written to kind of fit the brief of a song, I realised actually at the end it was totally about me. And yeah, at that time it was it was definitely written about me. And I think it's just the sort of, it just felt felt like it could have been written like, I don't know, 50 years ago. It was quite sort of, it's quite authentic, quite timeless song really. And it's one I've always kind of just been most proud of. And I remember doing the guitar part and just, because I wasn't very good at, you know, I'm still not an amazing guitarist, but at the time I really wasn't. But I was kind of like, I played it to someone, a drummer, I think. And he was like, you know, the time that you're doing that in is like whatever it was. And I think it was just weird. It was like, it just came out of nowhere. I'm staring into the ocean. I see a child's face look back at me. She's telling me a story, a fairy tale life was meant to be. She's asking for forgiveness. Oh, 
The key thing about Mary the Lost is I'm not trying to be a signed artist. I just, I will do that forever because I love it and it's something that is important to me. Um, and it's a good kind of step away from, you know, I think you need to, whether you're going to be a songwriter for other people forever, you know, or not, it's like I have to have that outlet for, for myself. Yeah. So, and you've, so your EP's come out recently yes we've got an ep out called in this silence and um it's um yeah all all of the songs on there are they've been around a while um and one of the songs on there red eyes was, was actually i've actually written actually co-wrote with tim powell funnily enough um and it's it sort of started out as a kind of dancey poppy song but we've kind of it's like a bit more of a folky version of it um and also the same with the track on there called make it as well because that was originally going to be like a top line kind of dance and I just decided to make it an acoustic pop song kind of folky acoustic pop so yeah I think it's kind of like nice because some of the songs do cross over a little bit into the it's like kind of folk pop if I had to describe it have you ever with lyrics have you ever been influenced about what's going on around you politically or socially or been given a brief by a label or management to write about something deeper or, you know, social? Mm, no, in truth, no. And no to both um, because I think the thing, the sad thing is with pop, it's more often than not, you go in and it's kind of like whatever you kind of, whatever you kind of th- whatever's going on in the world and whatever you kind of, you know, everybody's got amazing things to say, but it does always usually come down to it being about love. (laughs) Um, a lot of the time, you know, pop songs, mostly it is, it's kind of like, you know, concepts and stuff. It's just, yeah, it always seems to come back to love. Um, however, I do think what's really beautiful is that a lot of songs, although they might seem to be about love when you write them, actually, when you look deeper into lyrics, a lot of things. It's like I'm working with an artist today, actually, this afternoon, and I was reading a thing about um, his latest single. Um, and he, yeah, it's just this amazing, I won't go into it because I don't want to, like, I don't know if he's put it out and stuff yet, so I don't want to kind of like, yeah, you know, it still might be private to him. But, you know, on the surface, the lyrics really do seem like it's just a love song and he's just singing, you know, to somebody else. But actually, when I when he explains it, it's kind of like it's way deeper and it's about something completely different. And I think I try and do that a lot. Um, but, you know, when I said before about never letting the truth get in the way of a good song, it's just kind of like that fine line between you you can be writing about what's going on, you know, socially or politically, um, but you just have to be careful that it it's got to sort of... I don't know. It's just, I feel like it has to, if you're writing a pop song and you're trying to get it on radio, you know, you have to be quite careful not to get too self-indulgent, too wrapped up in, you know, um, that would be my personal, the way I approach things. However, if it's, if it's about me, um, and my life, it tends to be, you know, often I'll be writing about things that have affected other people or my family, um, I tend to kind of write quite close to home, really. You know, I tend to write about what, what I know is going on maybe in my mum's life or my brother's life or my sister's life. Um, and then I probably would write it in the first person, um, but it might not necessarily always be about me. Um, yeah, I think that's kind of generally where I'm at with it. But equally, I've never really re- written politically or socially because I just... 
I don't know. I just kind of sometimes, you know, my songwriting is maybe it is a bit too a bit too selfish. Maybe it is about just what I'm experiencing inside. I don't know. No, not at all. I think that it's just a fine line, isn't it? It is. Anything, if any songs with a message or that could be controversial or whatever, it is a fine line. And I think you have to be an artist in a certain point, maybe. Yeah. I think that's the thing. If you're purely an artist and you're going out there, then I think you can, you I think be brave and, and, and do it. And, you know, but my job, as I said to you before, is kind of like to facilitate that artist, what they, you know, if they came into me and said, I want to write about this, then of course we'd, we'd make it happen, but I'm not going to put that on them. And then when it comes to my stuff, like I say, maybe I'm quite selfish because it's all about what, you know, but it tends to always end up being about, I mean, well, love is obviously the a big one for everyone. Um, I'm quite reflective, I guess. A lot of the lyrics are quite reflective. There's always hope. I do think I'm quite a depressing writer. You know, I'm quite sad by nature. But I think so, it's yeah. easier to write about sadness and heartbreak than it is about happiness. It seems to always be the way. Yeah, have you written, definitely. Are you going to write something about your little girl? Or have you already? Uh, do you know what? I haven't. And again, I'm like, I'm just not. I, I, I said to... Um, I said to someone the other day, I said, the thing is you, you can't, <laughs> I don't know. Like I'm not, I, I sometimes I feel like unless I'm having a bit of a feeling a bit down or a bit like struggling with something, I don't necessarily come with the ideas. I have to live through something like everything that's going on in the world at the moment. I feel like I need to live through it, watch, listen, learn, and then kind of, uh, then I will have something to say. I've never been very good at writing in the thick of something if you know what I mean like I need space and I need to kind of um and it's the same with having Joni it's like you know I mean if I start saying oh she's so and start writing a love song about her it's just it's not going to be authentic or truthful it's kind of like actually what I'd really like to say is like this is really hard and really shit right now (laughs) if I was writing today you know or my struggle or whatever it's kind of like but I I need to kind of live through all the the tough bits the beautiful bits and and then kind of come back and then maybe I'll write something. And is so your daughter's called Joni. Is she named after Joni Mitchell? Yeah. Yeah, I thought so. <laughs> she is. Aww. Which is which is actually one of the songs that I said if I wished I'd written. And what is it about that song? And you can have multiple answers, don't worry, because nobody has been able to choose just one. I know. Well, when I got, when you said about that, I was just like, come on, guys, <laughs> this is a whole flipping dinner parties like conversation. <laughs> I mean, come on. Um, but what I decided to do was put it into four categories. Okay. Because <laughs> this is my brain. Um, and I won't go into all of it because it's like, yeah, it's too long. But um, I thought, well, the things I love the most, so it's like you've got pop, You've got country, alternative indie, and then like a classic all time, not classical, but classic sort of like, you know, one of the greats kind of thing. Is that allowed? Go for it. That'd be four. So, and then, okay, so the pop one's quite recent. um, And this is kind of came out just as I was starting to get into properly, like I got my deal and I was kind of um, going into sessions and stuff. And it's Julia Michaels' issues. I just think lyrically pop song, like just love everything about her. And I love the way she writes. Like she's, she completely writes depressing, sad lyrics, but manages to get them out in a really cool pop way. So that's, that was my pop. Wish I'd written that. 
Um, country has got to be the um, Need You Now, Lady Anthabella, because it's just massive and just, I don't know, just, it, look, I love the fact that it was actually written by the band. It was, I don't think there was anyone else involved, as in I think it was just them. And it's just a joke of a song. It's just so good. Um, my indie alternative is I'm obsessed with the national I listen to them all the time. They're like, I've been to see every gig they've ever done. That's probably not true, but, um, yeah, absolutely love them. And they, there's that's if you've never heard it, you need to go and listen to about today. It'll make you cry. It's just the most beautiful song. Just the lyrics again, all of these I've picked these because they're lyrics, lyrics, lyrics like totally lyrics. Like this, this is all from that angle. I know it's probably a bit boring for someone that likes production and beats and everything, but in terms of if we're talking about songwriting as well, um, these are real like songy songs. Um, and then my classic, I went for both sides now, Joni Mitchell, because come on, the lyrics on that again, just if I can, in fact, I need to put this, those four songs into like a little playlist. Um, because yeah, they're just, that's beautiful. Um, I did also write down Praying for Time, George Michael, and Landslide by Fleetwood Mac. But I mean, literally, I've got about 50. I mean, I just, honestly, this is a full-on, pour me some more red wine, let's just get right stuck into this. I will just be hammering people sat around me. Good game. Good game. Good game. (laughs) I always think (laughs) I've got different songs for, like, one that, if it, a song that I'd love to dance to in a club, but isn't necessarily, like, good lyrics or good yeah that's a good one as well but then what did you yeah, go for that's a different that's not really a songwriting angle that's more it's all right what makes me happy and what I'll always dance to yeah, like yeah, even yeah, if I'm yeah. in a deep conversation I'll just be like sorry I've got to go and dance yeah 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 <laughs> I do that a lot sorry I'll be back in a minute <laughs> if you'd like to know more about Mary please follow her on Twitter Instagram and Facebook at Mary Lay if you want to hear more of Mary's music please check out the Spotify playlist I've created for this podcast, which is a combination of songs that she's written, co-written, featured on, and also features her artist project, Mary the Lost. And if you want to know more about me, please go to louisegolby.com. Please follow me on social media and follow me on Spotify as well. Thank you so much, and I hope you've enjoyed it. This podcast is produced by Unedited.